This is the DLR Cast, the essential podcast for fans of Diamond David Lee Roth. All right, welcome to episode four of the DLR Cast. Glad to have you here. I'm Steve, along with my good friend Darren Pouchowitz. Hello, Darren. Hey now. And are are we allowed to do the hey now with the Hank uh, from Larry Sanders, or is it too soon? I well, I you know I'm fine with it anytime. I use that more often than I should probably admit in my personal. So. <laughs> right on. Good to connect, Steve. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Well, we've got a different kind of episode, and we're thrilled for the fact that uh, we have got our very first interview here on our fledgling DLR cast. And uh, <laughs> why don't you take it away, Darren? Yeah. So this is one where I got a press release from a great publicist, John Freeman, that was talking about a band that he was working with called Limousine Beach and their great new single called Steel and Wine. And it was talking about their influences, that they were into Van Halen and Kiss and The Swede and Nazareth and Boston, bands that come up all the time when you and I are talking. So I kind of reached out to John. I went, hey, any chance that they're DLR fans? He said yes. He connected us with Dave Wheeler and Jason Cicci from the band. And wow, they were happy to talk to us. And I got to say, this came out so much better than I could have ever expected. Yeah, they are really, really cool guys. I love talking to them. And also, we should make a point, we'll talk, and we mentioned on the interview as well, their music is super cool. And they've got a new EP that just hit, hit the streets as well. Yeah, it's called Steel and Wine Plus Two because the old style thing where they're this is the single and here are the other songs, but they do have a series of EPs coming out. And I was really taken aback. You know, at first you're talking to these guys and clearly they've the right influences. But when Dave talked about Slam Dunk from the DLR band album, unprompted, you just knew that these are the kind of guys that we'd be friends with, even if we didn't have a podcast. And I thought the same thing. I was like, you know what? I want to check out this guy's music collection. <laughs> Yeah, so it really came out well. A couple of immediate technical difficulties in the audio that fix itself after about a minute or so. That's uh, the breaks these days with Zoom. But it gets better as the chat gets better. Curious to see what they have coming out next. Not sure when the next EP is, but at least Stealing One is a good starting point. I totally dig it. Well, let's give it a listen. And as always, thanks for listening to the DLR cast. More to come. Dave, can you hear us? Hey, what's up? So you got this great new single out. And the first time I heard it, and this is intended to be a compliment, the intro of it to me reminds me of the outro of like an Eat and Smile or Skyscraper David Lee Roth era song. (laughs) Is there any kind of influence to go, hey, we're going to do the vocal acapella intro? I think that that just hadn't been hearing a lot of bands something that would sort of stand out to like a lot of the other like type of like rock releases we were hearing and that's part of why it was our first single that's just not something you you know you hear that often in like i thought it made a statement about the direction we were kind of trying to go it definitely does you don't hear that the way you, you don't hear that sort of thing the way you may have used to. Yeah, I, I, I think I think that's the case, too, especially not with like the, the production on it. It's really clean, too. I mean, <laughs> it's uh, especially with like the bands that were in the scene that my old bands played with are leaning a little bit more towards a psychedelic or doom or stone or rock 
side of things. So it's definitely a departure, probably than like what most people that are familiar with bands I've been in um, are used to. Yeah, I was about to say, you might be the happiest sounding artist on the TP Records roster, past <laughs> or present, and again, intended to be a compliment. So Steve and I kind of met because we're obsessed with the same people and things like David Lee Roth and Kiss. And as the DLR cast, when did you first discover David Lee Roth and his greatness? Uh, see, I'm 42, so it was, I mean, some of the first music I was aware of was probably Van Halen and David Lee Roth. Cause I think my parents got MTV, I think in 1986 and I was eight, maybe a year before that. So seven or eight. And like, you know, a lot of the videos that were in rotation at that point were from 1980. I was, I remember being confused because there were Van Halen videos that had David Lee Roth in them. And then there were also David Lee Roth solo videos. And I was a little bit confused by that. And then also the police and Sting both had videos. And I just, I didn't know what was going on with like front men and their bands. But uh, so probably the video for Hot for Teacher is my first distinct memory. And like the, you know, the Eddie, Eddie walking down the, the library table doing the guitar solo. And I remember my babysitter at the time saying oh eddie van halen he's like the greatest guitar player ever and i was like oh was there like a vote and like it's like there's empirical evidence that he's and he was like i mean i'm just kind of saying that but yeah it's kind of like understood but yeah uh dave and the uh the shades hanging out the bus window and then also the video for um the dave tv on just the gigolo uh not not the one uh where he's in the convenience store what is he day and a, and a jelly oh. donut to go yeah um, yankee rose yeah yankee rose was like, that going I crazy i think i can't it was give me a bottle of anything and a glass go 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 yeah, go right. go i can't remember <laughs> so the roth solo thing was kind of what hooked you it sound like were you always team roth or did you also like van hagar at the same time yeah, I I was a little bit. That's another thing that was confused because because that was confusing because it's like then you got David Lee Roth doing the solo stuff, and then all of a sudden it's Van Halen again. But there's like a new singer, and my mind was a little too young to process what was going on. But I mean, I've always been on on Team David Lee Roth. But there's some Hagar stuff that I think is great. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not a hater. I mean, that's what's sort of good about years later when you look back. You, you can be objective about it and you don't, it, I mean, I guess at the time it was really polarizing, but I sort of missed that. I was a little too young. It's sort of like I can look back and I can, I can pick and choose what I like from both eras. I, the way I always looked at it was like, I think with David Lee Roth, literally 100% of the songs are good. And with Sammy Hagar, it's more of like a 50, 50 thing. But um, I mean, I'm, I, I like plenty of the of the Hagar era stuff. But I think I think everything they did with the, it's like you know you can look back and you can like disco and rock. It's like you don't have to pick one forty right. years later. Yeah. Like that's kind of how it is with with uh, ELR and, and Sammy Hagar. I think as a as a teen, 
I mean, I, I was a teen back then. I'm a little bit, a little bit older than you, but I can remember I had never seen anything like the jump video before. And just this guy was the coolest guy. I mean, I watched MTV for a while and I was never a fan of like the, you know, the men with funky haircuts or whatever, this, you know, the, this, this anything. It was, for me, it was all about guitars and everything. And so Eddie blew my mind, Dave blew my mind. And yeah, it was a confusing time because it was like, all of a sudden it's like, this guy went to another team. And, this guy, you know, it's like, I can't like that. Team. You know, if you're a football fan, you still like your favorite team if the quarterback leaves. But it's, it was a completely different analogy. I'm like, but I like Sammy Solo stuff. I, and I grudgingly had to admit, yeah, there's some, I, you know, when Why Can't This Be Love came out, I was singing along to it for about three straight months, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah, I, like, Sammy Solo stuff never really did it for me. I think he's a pretty interesting guy. I read his, I read his autobiography, and he had a, really interesting life i mean he was a little older by the time he was doing his solo stuff even you know right. and by the time he joined van halen you know he's older than those guys he was sort of like successful in his own right outside of music he already like owned properties and had like a ton of money and but so you know he was on a whole different trip than the rest of those guys and was i mean he's he, he's pretty interesting but i mean musically this his solo stuff i never and that whole era that was sort of in between Montrose and like the harder rocking like stuff is so weird. Like where he was trying to be like a pop guy and, you yeah. know. To, to this, to this day, three lock box still makes me alternately nervous and confused. So I don't know <laughs> what the hell he's singing in that thing. So, yeah, but I know, yeah, I know exactly. what you mean. It, I, to me, I like some of the soul stuff. And the funny thing was, I love the, what was it? The, I love Montrose, you know, and I discovered that later and it was just, but there's a middle period there where I'm like, eh, you know, kind of average stuff. And then when he, you know, it's beyond average, best, really good when he met up with Eddie. I mean, it was, it seemed to be a good fit, but for me, it just never had that coolness or kind of that, you know, we talk, Darren and I talk about this a lot. Dave kind of put the soul in that band, you know, I mean, they were, as a cover band, they were doing like Ohio Players and Casey and the Sunshine Band and stuff like that in the 70s, and, and which they would never have done if Dave wasn't the lead singer back then doing, you know, coming up before the first album. Yeah, and he, I mean, he talks about that a little bit in Crazy for the Heat. What's kind of interesting, I think, is when you read Crazy for the Heat, it's like, he talks about his influences, you know, most of them aren't musical. You know, he talks about like cartoon characters and Superman and um and that's just him but when you yeah. listen to the covers they did that's the interest uh like uh i just sent one to jason the other day which i hadn't heard before which is them doing captain beyond which is like insane weird like obscure pretty obscure band for them to be playing at a party you know and it was <laughs> of course it's like this super weird progged out song and they're like nailing every note and dave's adding his signature stuff and so even though he, he in his book he doesn't talk a lot about his like musical influences or whatever, you can tell the depth of the of the musical taste based on just like the covers they did back then, and also just the different influences that are part of the music. And then you see a little more of it in his solo stuff, you know, like his own personal yeah, taste. Totally. But um, yeah, I mean, you don't get a band as great as them, I think, without having a lot of musical depth. And we've just been joined by Jason, which is a blessing unto itself here. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Jason. For you, what was the entry to David Lee Roth and Van Halen fandom? 
uh, yeah, I've been a fan. I mean, the first time I heard 1984 um, just blew my mind. I was probably 11 or 12 when that came out. And uh, two, I had two older brothers that were big Van Halen fans, and they sort of turned me on to a lot of stuff. And were you on board immediately with Dave's solo career after that? Oh, yeah. I was just thinking today, I was like, what, the first time I heard 5150, I think the first single was Why Can't This Be Love. I just remember being incredibly disappointed. <laughs> and then what? <laughs> And then when uh, I heard Yankee Rose, I think it was the first single from Edom and Smile, I was like, holy crap. It's kind of funny that the, I think Edom and Smile, of course, like Van Halen had, you know, they retained the name and it had Eddie and everything. But it's like Edom and Smile, you would think would be a lot more along the lines of something that like that. Van Halen fans up to that point would like and appreciate. And I, I think it is a pretty well-regarded album, but it's just like, you know, it, it didn't sell like a Van Halen record, I guess. Although, it, I mean, it did fine in its own right, but it's like that album sounds like the next album Van Halen would make if they were like working yeah, absolutely. the same style. And then in terms of musical evolution, I kind of find that people who are in their late 30s to early 50s, it's Kiss... Van Halen and Motley Crue, that they're into all three of those if they're in a band that's guitar-centric. But the order of which they got into which is always different. So <laughs> for you, both of you, what was it? What was the order? For me, it was Van Halen and Motley Crue probably around the same time. But I, be, I mean, I became a big, a, a lot bigger of a Van Halen fan because I like Motley Crue, but it's like their category it's like that the quality is just not like, you know, they don't have, I only really like now shout at the devil and too fast for love. And then like some songs scattered throughout the other albums, but kiss Agreed. for me came last because I, I mean, so like, I'm 42 I, in 1991, I was 13 and that's when grunge happened and all that stuff. So for me to get into to take a lot of that, like, you know, when I was listening to music in, in like Kiss was already this thing that was like over and like, to me, kind of a joke in like the eighties, because it was just this car, these cartoonish guys that were like, sort of old, obviously older than everyone on MTV. And I just didn't get it, you know, and it was like the no makeup era and stuff. So I didn't really, like, I had to overcome the bias of living through the grunge era. <laughs> Until, like, yeah. when I was in, in my late teens, you know, I started to get into, like, Maiden and stuff like that. And then I kind of backtracked on I was like, I probably missed a lot of other stuff that was, like, really awesome. And I remember getting, um, like, Kiss Alive 2 and just being, like, completely blown away at how much, how off the mark I'd been. I was like, this is just, like the most like well these are the most well-written like hard rocking songs with great riffs and like the singing's great and like everything like the performance is great and with Motley Crue around that same time I kind of came around and heard Too Fast for Love and gave Shout at the Devil a try and was like actually like oh this is like super raw like hard rock so it was kind of out of order for me but Van Halen was there the whole time and I did but I didn't really get into Van Halen where I was like listening to every 
like album probably until I was like in that same era, like 18. But I, I had a few of them and I really liked them. And I didn't dismiss them the way I did with Kiss and Molly Crew. <laughs> What's your story, Jason? I think when I was real young, even before I thought about playing guitar, I was really into Kiss. And this was, I'm a little bit older, so I grew up in the, you know, late 70s, early 80s. So, like, hearing Hotter Than Hell is like a seven-year-old, eight-year-old, like, blew my mind, you know? And we used to cut out guitars out of cardboard and pretend we were Kiss. Yep. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure everyone has done that. But um, yeah, so it was always, it was Kiss first. And then like, like Dave said, in, in the 80s, I kind of like, when they took the makeup off, I just wasn't into them anymore. I don't know. It seemed a little corny, but, um, and then Van, as soon as I heard Van Halen, it was all Van Halen. And then Motley Crue shortly after that. But um, I didn't, I wasn't a huge Motley Crue fan, to be honest. Yeah, a lot of people, say what Dave just said, that the first two crew records they can get behind because the first one's kind of punkish, second one's harder rock, and then the piano ballads and the guy liner came and all that, so. <laughs> yeah. The, the first couple Motley Crue albums, that's, that's a band where I didn't really understand what their influences were until later. And a lot of like the 80s stuff, like I didn't realize that the influences went back to like, you know, the Sweet and the New York Dolls and like all that stuff. And even even now, there's still records that I get where I'm like, oh my God, like th this riff, like there's, do you know the album, uh, what, what, uh, Rex Smith's first album? Oh yeah, um, yeah. That's such a, it's a great album. And there's like, there's a song on it called 10 Seconds of Love. As opposed to Molly Cruz, 10 seconds to love. 10 seconds of love. I never could really figure out the angle he was trying to go for with that. It's like, that's not too impressive. But, um, but there's riffs on it where I'm like, I'm like, holy crap, this is exactly like this, like Molly Cruz. And you can tell that, like, you know, Nikki Six at least was really into that like went pretty deep with like the glam stuff and like just just that late 70s hard rock and in the suite i didn't realize like the intro to uh oh what uh kickstart my heart is um action by the suite you know it's the exact same thing like note for note like they just took it they just went and took it which is <laughs> i in, in their case i mean it i actually like appreciate it i think it's like I, an homage, you know? Because it's yeah. not like the song is based around that intro. It's just sort of like, let's just take this idea and fans of that band will get it. You know, they didn't take a melody or like a riff or anything. Right. Or but it's, uh, but yeah, I mean, later on, like with Motley Crue, I kind of found out, like, I heard all these other albums. I was like, oh, they were like just doing this. It's exact, trying to do their exact version of this. I love Stealing Wine. I love that song. And the EP is out today, I think. Is that, is, if I, yeah, I can correct. that right? And yep. um, I, it just, that grabbed me right away. It sounded like something, it's fresh and new to my ears, but it also was very familiar, which I love. And reading about you guys, you know, and it, it's not often people mention the suite, in, you know, as far as influences. <laughs> I mean, a lot, Kiss and Van Halen, yeah, but that really caught my eye and as well as my ears, because if ever there was 
there's some bands that you just it's a crime that they didn't get they had some hits but i just thought they should have been so much bigger and and i love the harmonies that's what reminded me you know a little bit of the suite and and um you know it's kind of all your just hearing that song it kind of converges for me just the stuff that i love so congrats and uh all right, thanks man. I, think it's, I think it's great yeah, thanks man thank you very much yeah i mean that's it's no secret. I mean, I talk about it as much as I can in the opportunity I get, like how much of an influence the suite has had. I mean, I've, I've known, you know, I've been a fan of theirs, but it's like, it didn't really sink in how great that band was to me. And, and until the past, like five or six years, it's like, I had Desolation Boulevard and kind of a comp with a couple of their other hits and like, you know, but something like clicked in my mind and I, I got, give us a wink and, um, you know, Sweet Fanny Adams and like all, all their other records. And it's just like, they, they just, and I was always blown away by every time I would like find another song that I never heard before. It was, it was great. Like every time, like I couldn't believe how many great songs they had. And there's something about their, just the idea behind it, which is like, if you start with a really solid idea, you can add all this other stuff on top of it. And it's like, it doesn't take away from the idea. You can, you can, but if you don't have a good idea, you can add all that stuff and like, it doesn't matter. But like, yeah. the bottom line is the, the songs are great. If the songs weren't great, no one would still care, you know? Right. But I just think the music's so amazing. But I think they were a lot bigger also in England than and in the States, probably if, you know, you were talking to people there, they'd have a lot more familiarity with most of their, most of their material. Yeah, they definitely were. One last thing on the suite you just remind me too, is like the songs are great, but those albums, they still sound fresh to me. They don't sound dated. And the sounds that they got, I mean, you listen to that guitar riff, you know, in Love is Like Oxygen, there's a crunch there. I don't know if he's, what he's, yeah. he's playing, if he's playing some, you know, a Les Paul through a Marshall, but it, they, it, it wasn't too heavy. It was melodic, but it wasn't really light. Like, it, you know, it was, there's, I just fell in love with the suite many years ago. And like you, I kind of rediscovered and just went, oh my God, these guys were so much deeper. I mean, you know, there's the, they, there's uh, a lot of levels to that band that most people miss. And I, I, I love anybody who counts them as a, as a, as an influence because not a lot of people do, unfortunately. All those bands, you know, that's, that's a pretty clear influence on like on Motley Crue and like that whole era. I think if, cause those, those guys were all paying attention to that British glam stuff. I mean, the New York stuff, New York dolls. Yeah. They were influenced by that. And it's like cool to say that. And I think that's true. But I think they would also say like that the British stuff, which was a, a lot more like kind of outrageous and uh, a lot more pomp was going into it. And it wasn't as like, you know, street or something as the New York Dolls. It was like, you know, this stuff those 80s bands were doing, at least Molly Crew at first was kind of halfway in between the British stuff and like the American stuff. Yeah. And probably a lot of people didn't necessarily actually hear the dolls at the time because they weren't around much. They didn't get radio play. Whereas if you were growing yeah. up at that time and you're a 10 year old, 11 year old kid, well, you're hearing, you know, love is like auction Fox on the run. You're hearing little Willie ballroom blitz. And conversely, you know, you just remind me too, speaking of coming out of England, you're hearing David Bowie with Mick Ronson and that glamour, you know, talking. Yeah. so you, it was, you actually heard it and, and, and kind of uh, digested it coming up. Whereas I think so many people might cite the New York Dolls, but it's, they just did not have that kind of output, so. 
Yeah, and I love the New York Dolls, and you Same here. and you and you don't have the sweet or even David Bowie turning into what he what he turned into without that band. So it's right. like indirectly that in that influence is there indirectly, even if people weren't hearing their records firsthand. Right. Sorry, I went off on a sweet tangent there, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Darren. <laughs> Anytime. For, this, for the kind of people who will be listening to this, I'm sure they'll listen to two more hours of that. So <laughs> everything is kind of on hold with music and, li and live stuff at the moment, but you do have the new EP that's out today. Is there anything in the future beyond that that is confirmed or at least you're working towards? So, yeah, we sort of had to rethink our game plan because of the, the pandemic we're all dealing with. So, like, the idea now is to you know we have an lp's worth of material and we're going to try to stretch it out you know as far as we can because we can't play shows we can't get out there it there isn't much point in like making a physical copy of it yet you know so i think the idea is this will be the first in a series of three three song releases and um then we we have a couple more songs left over and at the end of that we'll we'll take all the tracks and compile them onto an LP, hopefully and some, some physical format and um, put that out. Um, that's our tentative plan. I mean, who knows what changes in the next few couple months, but yeah, that's, that's the idea right now. Just try to try to have, just try to sprinkle some releases and spread them out and then figure out how to put them all together for a physical release at the end. And then bringing it all back together here in consistency with the theme of what the show is. Favorite David Lee Roth song, and it's totally fine if you don't give us an obscure thing. I'm not going to say, oh, you know, it's got to be the bottom line. No, you could say Just Like Paradise if it is Just Like Paradise. <laughs> I'm a Shy Boy fan because I'm a guitar player. I, I just love Steve Vai is amazing. But yeah, and, and most songs on Eat em and Smile I love. <laughs> yeah uh i'm i'm just gonna go ahead and say just like paradise because like the way the vocals are mixed and everything a song that's like notable for me that i wouldn't say is my favorite but was slam dunk oh yeah i i, I listened to it uh i remember when it came out and again, he, he always had those moments where you're like, this is what Van Halen should be doing right now. And that was, that was one of those. And uh, I always really liked that one. I mean, it's, it's no just like Paradise, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's one that's, I don't know, just like was a marker for me about how like it, Van Halen at this time I thought was kind of missing the mark and DLR kind of got it all along. Never really abandoned that, you know. That's what we love about Dave. Yeah. <laughs> not a lot of touring or video that's out there for slam dunk and the dlr band <laughs> but i recently discovered a live from finland's 1999 concert on youtube where he does slam dunk so that was a good recent find really? pandemic wow <laughs> his voice was really good around that era i feel like uh also just mentioning when we started the band of course like the suite was a big inspiration for me but the other thing and i think i the other thing was the van halen zero demo 
was one where all the songs that were kind of unreleased on that and the way it's put together i mean there's different track listings but the one the one that i heard it's like the songs just kind of hit like bam 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 it's just like hook after hook after hook after hook after hook and like in my mind like i wanted if we ever did an lp that's how i wanted to play and that's part of why the songs are so short but like that that demo was it's like if I wanted it to sound like any the album to sound like anything, I wanted it to be like Desolation Boulevard combined with the Van Halen Zero demo, combined with like the first Boston album or something like that. <laughs> right on. Jeez. I can't top that, Steve. You got anything to ask in addition? Because wow. No, no. I'll it's tell long. you, I just I I love talking about this stuff, and it's been great meeting you guys uh, via Zoom and the podcast here, and. And uh, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, hearing the rest of the EP and hearing what you guys got going on because Steel and Wine is a great intro to what you guys are all about. So, thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having us on. If you ever start the sweet cast, uh, <laughs> you, you know who to contact first. And we'll have you on the early Motley Crew cast and uh, <laughs> the early Kiss cast too. Early Kiss, yeah. There's, a niche, there's a niche for everything. Call Jason for the Shy Boy cast, the podcast oh, dedicated. And that song has a history, though, right? Billy Sheen yeah. the, with Talis, right? That song yeah. originated in Talis. You could do you could do a whole episode on that song, probably. The oh, Sheen yeah. cast is uh, the next one that's coming <laughs> through. <laughs> thank you guys so much. Really looking forward to the next EP. All right. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks. Thanks, thanks guys. guys.